Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Well, if you have your uh, Bibles with you, I would encourage you to um, open them up and find the book of Matthew and put a marker in there. And then I would also encourage you to find the book of Psalms and put a marker in there, okay? And I'm going to come to those in just a few minutes, but before that, I just I want to bring you back up to speed. We're in a, a four-week series. We're in week number three, and the series that we're talking about is called Advent, God With Us. And so we celebrate every year the fact that God is with us. We call it Christmas season, and so uh, to. As a church, over the last couple of weeks, we've been going through this concept of God with us. And, and so this week, I want to share with you that when I say God with us, it means this, that we get to choose joy. That's our, our choice. But let me prove this to you. I'm going to share with you a couple of things about the word joy. You'll notice up here on the, the board, is this a pretty nice display that's up here? Yeah, this is beautiful. I would encourage you, come up here and, and take a picture, um, you know, do like a photo op. Or we've got one back here in the back. It's super Christmassy looking. So before you head out today, take advantage of these things. And um, you, you can send uh, like electronic Christmas cards to those people that you forgot to send the real ones to. And, uh, and, and they'll think that you thought about this stuff months ago. All right, so joy. Let me tell you a couple things about joy this morning. First is this, that joy overcomes our shame now if you've been with us for the last couple of weeks you may remember a couple that I introduced to you in week one that couple's name was Zachariah and Elizabeth Zachariah and Elizabeth Zachariah was a priest in the temple and the Bible tells us that Zachariah and Elizabeth they loved the Lord they served the Lord they did good things before the Lord but there was one small problem. Zachariah and Elizabeth had no children. They didn't. They didn't have any kids. And in Israel, the culture was that having children was a good thing. It was a great thing. Not having any children was shameful. Can you guys say that with me? Shameful. shameful. You know, here in the Western culture, the word shame doesn't mean what it means in the Eastern culture. In Eastern culture, shame would keep them from coming out in public. Shame would, they would identify themselves based on that shame that they felt inside. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, and, and so uh, my, favorite, my life verse is Psalm 127.1, and it says this, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wakes in vain. You know, that's my prayer as I think about Temple Baptist Church. That's my prayer as I think about um, being a father and a grandfather. That's my prayer each and every day. But as much as I love Psalm 127.1, today I want to share with you two other verses in Psalm 127. And verse 3 says this. It tells us that children 
are two things. One, that they're a heritage from the Lord. And number two, that they are a reward from God. Now, if children are a heritage from the Lord and they're a reward from God, and Elizabeth was old in age and she had no children, what was, she was probably telling herself, I'm never going to have any children. And so that shame that she had because children are a heritage from the Lord, that shame that she had because it's a reward from him, she wasn't getting that. She wasn't being rewarded by the Lord. There was no heritage that her and Zechariah were going to have. And then if you jump to verse 5, it says this, Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Their quiver wasn't full. Matter of fact, their quiver was empty. There were no children. There was no possibility of children. The only thing that Elizabeth and Zechariah had was what culture gave them, and that was shame. They weren't rewarded by God. Their quiver was empty. Something was wrong with them. And then one day when Zechariah was in the temple, he had an encounter with an angel. And that angel told them that your wife is going to get pregnant. And Zechariah said, impossible. And the angel said, oh no. Matter of fact, you're not going to speak again until she does. So she got pregnant. And instead of going and telling everybody, she hid. Now I don't know if you all know, maybe, maybe there's someone in this room that struggled with pregnancy Maybe you spent years, maybe you went to the doctor, you spent money on finding ways or, or seeking help on how to have a child, and, and it eluded you. Maybe during that, those years that you were looking and trying to have children, maybe you got pregnant. And about three months in, you had a miscarriage. But you didn't give up. You kept praying, you kept going to the doctors, you kept seeking and trying, and then you found yourself pregnant again. And then about four months in, you had another miscarriage. I know of a young couple that I worked with. That was their story. Just down the road at Scott Air Force Base. Trying to have kids. She'd get pregnant and miscarriage, get pregnant and miscarriage, get pregnant and miscarriage. And finally, after the third miscarriage, when she would get pregnant, the only person that he would tell about it was me. He said, look, we're not, we're not making this public. Because what happens is, when you tell someone you're pregnant, people celebrate with you. But when you tell them you had a miscarriage, it's hard. And they don't know what to do. And then instead of the celebration, you start pouring on yourself shame. That's where Elizabeth was. She's pregnant. She's old. The impossible has happened. And instead of telling everybody, she goes into hiding. She's embarrassed. The shame is still on her. Because she's telling herself that it's probably not going to actually happen. So here's Zachariah and Elizabeth. They have no heritage from the Lord. They have no reward. They have an empty quiver. And all they've got right now is the hope. That maybe, just maybe, this baby will stay in her womb. Maybe, just maybe, this baby will be born healthy. And so they're hanging on to maybe, just maybe. 
And then what happens is she has an encounter with Mary. Mary comes, and, and guess what Mary's experiencing right now? A little bit of shame of her own. Because Mary, remember this, she's not married at this point. And so we don't know this, but theologians will, will speculate that the parents sent her away to kind of hide this, the fact that she was pregnant and not married. Hide the family shame. You know, but here's what's interesting, that God was there every moment of the way. He was in the temple when Zechariah experienced the encounter with the angel. He was there when um, Elizabeth started showing and wondered if it was really going to happen. He was there with Mary and Joseph. And he was there when Mary approached Elizabeth's house. And when Elizabeth heard her voice, it said that, and this is John the Baptist who's in Elizabeth's womb. John the Baptist had a little bit of Holy Ghost revival. And it was that encounter that was a confirmation to Elizabeth. And so now Elizabeth, that, that, that shame that she's taking, she knows now that not only has God spoken to Zechariah, not only has God spoken to her, not only has God touched her, but now God has brought into her life somebody else that he's touched. And so in the book of Luke, in verse 1, in verse 57, it says this, Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and listen to this, they shared her joy. God had shown her great mercy. Here is a, a lady that is beyond childbearing, and God gives her a child. He took the shame and he replaced it with joy. And what did the community around her do? Shared her joy. They celebrated. The very people who were wondering why is she hiding are now out there with her giving gifts to her. Because you know they didn't have a crib. You know they didn't have strollers. You know they didn't have anything. Why? Because it was impossible. And so now I could just see this community coming together and, and taking all of those items that a grandma and grandpa should never ever have to use. And give it to them. Well, you know what? Today, not only does is joy overcome our shame, but I'm here to tell you about the source of our joy. But before I can share with you the source of our joy, I need you to understand something. That there's a difference between joy and happiness. See, happiness is always externally driven. Happiness has to do with something that is, you've been given, something that you are living right now. And the, and the reality is that happiness can come and go. But the truth of the matter is joy is down deep inside. Joy is internal. Joy will always be with you. It'll be with you every moment that you breathe here on this earth. And when you take your final breath one day, that joy will stay with you for eternity. If you've met the source of the joy. Let me introduce you to the source of that joy I asked you to turn in your Bibles and, and hold Matthew in Psalm. But before we go there, I want to read a verse to you from 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1 verse 8 says this. You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. 
Now, folks, let me just preach a little bit here because you believe it's down deep here in your heart. See, happiness, you have to have it right there in your hands to know, as long as I've got this iPhone 10X, I mean, I'm, I'm happy, I'm joyous. And then they update the software and I'm not happy anymore. The, it wasn't joy, was it? The Bible tells us that you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible joy. I need the kids' help one more time. When I was growing up, there was a song that we used to sing. All right? And I don't know, some of you may know this, but, but the words went like this. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Where? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Tuesday. Okay. Awesome. You kids sound older than you look. <laughs> See, that's what it says when you believe that joy is down deep in your heart. And when we have joy, we have what the Bible calls an inexpressible and glorious joy. Now, here's the problem. Some of you don't know what an inexpressible and glorious joy is, but the kids do. Because there's another verse in that song, and it goes something like this. And it says, and if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Oh, no, 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 no. That is not inexpressible and glorious joy. Children, uh, if you sat on attack, what would happen? Ouch. Not only would you say ouch, but what would you do? You would jump up. Now, some of you, I don't want you to jump up. I don't want to call paramedics. All right? I don't want to have to use that AED that's back there. But some of you need, when we get this, I need your help. All right? So when we get to that point and we say, ouch, children, I need you to jump up as high as your parents allow you. Okay? All right. So follow me with this song again. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Sit on attack. Sit on attack, and if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Ouch! Sit on attack. How long? To stay. to stay. Folks, that's what joy is all about. See, joy isn't fleeting. It's not happiness. Joy is here today. It's here tomorrow. It's here for eternity. Joy is with us even if. Even if. Even if there's someone in your life that you want in church and they haven't come to church, the joy is still there. Even if you have been given a diagnosis by a doctor that says there's no hope for you and then in a few months and maybe a year, you're going to be gone. Even if the joy still stays. Even if you just lost your job, there's joy. It's down deep in our heart and it's here to stay. But see, when you don't have joy, it'll be gone tomorrow. See, happiness is Christmas Eve when there's a hundred boxes underneath the tree. But happiness leaves you very quickly on Christmas when they're all opened and it's a bunch of wrapping paper that's out in the trash can. But that's not what God gives us. He doesn't give us happiness. He gives us joy. 
And, and I hate to break the news to you, but unfortunately, even when we sing that song and the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack and ouch and you could jump. Unfortunately, one day we all grow up. And we quit singing. The joy's still there, but we, we keep it down deep in our heart. And we don't experience the joy. Because the joy tells us that it's an inexpressible, glorious joy. So how do we know that we have true joy? It's simply this. Joy defies our circumstances. See, no matter what's going on, joy defies that. The problem is our human rational thinking says that we won't have joy until God fixes the problem. And God says, I've, the problem is fixed. If you believe that by faith, you'll experience joy. But uh, see, what happens is we have an attachment and we say, I'll experience joy, God, if you give me the job, if you take the cancer away, if you allow my children to come back to the church. And God lovingly tells you, I got this under control. See, someday you're going to recognize that God loves your children and your grandchildren more than you ever could. And God is doing more than you're doing to get them back in the church. You just don't see it. Matter of fact, maybe, just maybe, we're doing stuff that's going to keep them from coming back to church. Oh, that got quiet. That one hurt, didn't it? Maybe, just maybe. You know, one of the things you ask, why do we make all these changes around here at Temple Baptist Church? And I'll tell you, it's this reason. This is, this is my heart's desire. I want to create a church at Temple Baptist Church that your grandchildren want to come to. I want a church where your grandparent, your grandchildren would love to be here on Sunday sitting by grandma or grandpa, sitting by mom or dad. And then afterwards you guys go out for lunch. One of the, one of the best memories I had spending church with my family was Sunday afternoon going out to lunch. Oh my goodness, I grew in the Lord through that. You missed that. I grew. <laughs> Let me prove to you that joy defies our circumstances. The Bible tells us this very powerful verse in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Let me read this to you. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, despising the shame that Elizabeth experienced, despising the shame that Mary experienced, despising the shame that many of you sitting here today are, are, are burdening yourself with. Jesus Christ went to the cross. He endured that for the joy that one day you don't have to let that defeat you. He's given you the victory. He's given you the victory that when you have a loved one that sits here in a casket and that body is never ever going to breathe again. He gives you the victory knowing that one day you will be reunited. That's what true joy is. That's why Jesus, listen to this, Jesus left his throne in heaven. He was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life and he died on the cross for us. And today, the Bible tells us right here in this verse, he's seated 
at the right hand of the Father. He's right back where he left. The whole reason he left that was because he knew that you couldn't do it. He knew that I definitely couldn't do it. He says, you know what, Ronnie? I'll do this for you. And then he did. And now I just want you to take my name out of that. And I want you to put your name there. Because the same God in heaven says, you can't do this, but I can. You can't get through the cancer. I can get you through that cancer. You can't get through this sickness. I can get you through this sickness. You can't get through your family walking out on you. I can get you through your family walking out on you. You can't do this. I've already done it. Last thing I want to share with you folks is joy. It's a choice. Picture this. You heard a little bit about my grandsons. You'll hear a little bit more. Just a little bit. Imagine this. Imagine a three-year-old Declan walking into my and Carrie's bedroom at 3 a.m. in the morning with his sippy cup, tapping his cup on Pop's forehead, saying, I want a drink. Now, do you think that I would be singing, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. No, what I would say is, go see Nana. (laughs) But joy's a choice, right? Let me ask you something. Let me change the situation up. Let's just say it's not Declan. Let's just say it's a three-year-old son or daughter that has never, ever walked. I don't know what's wrong with them. I don't know what physical... Um, is, but they've never ever walked and that same three-year-old child shows up in your room at 3 a.m with that same sippy cup and they tap you on the head and they say I want a drink now tell me something how do you respond to that oh yeah I, I, a few years ago St. Louis Cardinals this is scriptural folks St. Louis Cardinals where in game, I don't know if it was five or six, they were down to the ninth inning. They were down to the, the, the third out. There's two outs, there's two strikes, and the batter's up. Now, I got to be honest with you, I went to sleep. It's over, game over. I went to sleep. And then all of a sudden, I woke up because my wife is jumping up and down on the bed. I'm like, what? I'm grabbing my gun, like, you know. No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And there you could see the entire city of St. Louis celebrating. If we'll do that over the St. Louis Cardinals, what would we do over that three-year-old child? Joy is a choice. We choose it. Or we choose not to have joy. God has done it. He's secured the victory. He's given it to you. And the question today is, are you going to embrace it or are you going to reject it? And the reality of the matter is that many of us have rejected the joy that God has brought into our lives. The joy that he has secured for us.
I asked you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew, and now if you would open that up, and if you would turn to chapter 2, I want to read verse 10 to you. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 10. And the Bible tells us, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Did you see how far I jumped when, the, when I sat on attack earlier? The men that the Bible's talking about here did far more than that. And I don't know if you know who those men are, but the, those men are what we refer to as the magi, the wise men. Now, many of you think that there was three wise men. If you'll come back next week, I'm going to tell you if three wise men is true or how many wise men there really were. I'm not supposed to do that, am I? Could you imagine this? These wise men, these state diplomats, rejoicing exceedingly with great joy. Yesterday, we celebrated and we shared the life of Ray Landers. And and, and in part of that celebration, I shared some things about Ray that you just might not have expected. I mean, Ray, the pillar of society, he did some crazy stuff. When I think about these magi rejoicing exceedingly with great joy, I think of someone like Ray, distinguished, been there, done that, and all of a sudden looking a little silly. So what does exceeding great joy look like? Well, let me share it with you. It's simply this. It's exuberant rejoicing and extravagant giving. Oh, I knew it, Pastor. You couldn't even get through Christmas season without talking about giving. Well, let me just preach the Bible. Because here's what the wise men did. When the wise men found out that the star that would introduce the king of the Jews was there and they identified it and they identified where the child was, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And it was evidenced by exuberant rejoicing. Could you imagine these wise men dancing? Could you imagine them, you know, just having a little confetti? Woo! That's what they were doing. And then they were extravagant in their giving. The Bible tells us they gave Joseph and Mary gold, myrrh, and incense. Frankincense. During this Christmas season, I'll bet many of you have bought Christmas gifts for friends and family. And some of them were extravagant, and some of them weren't. Last night as a family, we we had a dirty Santa. Have you guys ever played that? That's where you get a steal. That's right, you steal somebody else's gift. And so as pops, I broke the rules. The rules were we had a certain dollar amount. I broke the rules. I got something worth a lot more than that. Extravagant giving. Why did I do that? Because I loved everybody that was in that room. 
I'm telling you, as you look over this Christmas season and you look at your family and you look at your friends, you'll know when you give them extravagantly. And you know when, ah, they're going to get a tin of popcorn. Now, if you gave out tins of popcorn, it's okay. I like them. Matter of fact, I told people that if, if, if I, I would make the perfect, you know how they have those three different divisions? The perfect one would have all caramel popcorn. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, just get rid of the cheddar. Get rid of that, whatever that other stuff is. And just fill up all three of them. See, that's extravagant. Matter of fact, if you loved me, you'd go out and buy three, dump out all of the bat, and put all the caramel popcorn in one. Like, if I opened that up, I'd like, oh, yeah. Oh, I got gotcha. you. The challenge this, church. In 2020, we're going to learn to see differently. We're going to learn to see 2020. And how do we do that? Well, the Bible tells us that we're to love God. We're to love people. We're to make disciples. And the reality is this. How does that happen? We choose joy. We choose joy. We choose joy even if, even if things are bad, even if life isn't the way you want it, even if this holiday season is anything but merry, you choose joy. And you don't choose joy because it's December. You don't choose joy because what gifts have your name on it. You choose joy because what your Savior did over 2,000 years ago. Because what he did trumps everything you're going through. Everything you're going through one day will stop. It will end. Those people that don't like you, they will die or you will. Those people who have been mean to you, they're going to move on or you're going to move on. At some point, it's all going to be over, and this life on earth ends, and eternity begins. What you do today with this temporary body will determine how you live for eternity. Worship team, if you'll come forward. Earlier, I asked you, who in here wanted to have church today? Well, we're about to find out. If you all would stand, I want to read a Bible verse. Matter of fact, uh, open up your Bibles to Psalm chapter 5. I want to read this verse. It's verse 11. It says, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them. That those who love your name may rejoice in you. You see, the source of our joy is our Heavenly Father. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.